This week on Art on the Air, we continue with part two of our interview with musician, composer, recording engineer, producer, music publisher, David Kowal, discussing more of his musical journey and sharing more of his music. Our spotlight is with Tim King of the LaPorte County Symphony Orchestra discussing their 4th of July concert at Fox Memorial Park at 7.30. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know. Welcome. You're listening to Art on the Air on Lakeshore Public Radio, 89.1 FM and WVLP 103.1 FM. Our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. I'm Larry Breckner of New Perspectives Photography, right alongside here with Esther Golden of The Nest in Michigan City. Aloha, everyone. We're your hosts for Art on the Air. Art on the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming at wvlp.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard Wednesdays on Lakeshore Public Radio. Information about Art on the Air is available on our website, breck.com AOTA. That includes a complete show archive, spotlight interviews, plus our shows are available on multiple podcast platforms, including NPR One. Please like us on Facebook, Art on the Air, WVLP, for more information about upcoming shows and interviews. And we'd like to welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight. And, of course, he's been here with us many, many times before. And our favorite th- person. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's one of our favorite guests. Going to be talking about what's going on on the 4th of July, especially in Laporte, and uh, tell us all about what's happening here. Tim King, welcome back to Art in the Air Spotlight. Aloha, Tim. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Um, well, we are going to be giving a concert on Monday, July the 4th, the actual holiday. Um, and it's been a long time since the orchestra has done something on the 4th. About six or seven months ago, Mayor Tom Dermody called me into his office. I, I was summoned. Oh. And um, <laughs> he said, he said, I would really want the orchestra to do a concert on the 4th. If you can find funding for the concert, I'll find funding for fireworks over Clear Lake and we'll just make it a big deal. And so we were very fortunate. Uh, First Source Bank has come through for us and they're going to be the sponsor. Uh, and they're enabling us to be able to give this concert for free um, to the public. So it will be at Fox Park, at the band shell of Fox Park on Truesdale Avenue in LaPorte. And again, it's free to the public. Uh, starts at 7.30 Monday evening. Uh, and Carolyn Watson, our music director, will be conducting. Uh, she's coming in for that week because the week after that, she goes up to Interlochen and where she's going to be conducting for a couple of weeks there. So she's coming in the week before and it just worked out really, really well. Um, But she's put together a really nice program. Um, Of course, we'll open with the Star Spangled Banner and then we're going to do uh, the Armed Forces Salute, which is uh, a nod to all the various branches of the military, which is always a really moving, um, moving situation. But she's throwing in things like 
Raiders of the Lost Ark and Star Wars and little Harry Potter. She's going to repeat a couple of pieces we did from the April concert and the Magnificent Seven. But we're also all rousing, have, all very rousing in their own think way. So yeah, um, but we're going to have a couple of Hoosier Star folks on this concert with us. The youth winner, uh, Joseph Giuliani, is going to be singing um, a piece that was made famous by Andrea Bocelli, and he does such a beautiful job on it. And then actually, the second place winner of the adult, uh, Kim Curtis who did um, a piece called uh, Stuff Like That There, which is um, from the movie for the boys, the Bette Midler movie for the boys. Um, and she came in second place because our first place winner is per presently performing on a cruise ship somewhere <laughs> in the Atlantic or the Pacific. I can't remember which. That was Jaron Sampson. So Kim agreed to come in. And she, Kim gave a absolutely wonderful performance. So both of these folks are going to be uh, uh, singing with us on that concert and then the plan is for us to finish by the time the fireworks start at 9 15 over clear lake sounds like a really full evening. evening beautiful i think so you know fox park is one of those places where you're you're better off giving a free concert because it's about a 24 7 access place um, and so parking tends to be a little dicey, iffy. So I would encourage folks to, to come a little early. They will have the concession stands open from seven to nine. I did find that out just today. Um, and so folks, you might not get a parking space real, really close. Uh, so you might not, hopefully you don't mind walking a little bit, but it's a beautiful amphitheater set, setting. Um, and so we're gonna set the orchestra up on the stage and on the concrete pad in front of the stage and, and give this concert. And then, of course, the fireworks at the end. I didn't realize this, but one of the largest fireworks companies is located in the United States is located in Laporte. Wow. Um, so that was that was a real surprise to me. So Mayor Dermody called them when we were in this meeting and said, we want you to do these fireworks. And the gentleman that owned the company said, now, Mayor, you understand that that's the biggest day we have all year. He said, we're going to beat all these other cities. And of course, Mayor Dermody is, he's the best at making you feel guilty. <laughs> he, he said, you mean you're going to go all those other places and not give fireworks in your own hometown? <laughs> so guess what? They're doing fireworks in, our, in their own hometown. So we're happy to have them. Um, <laughs> and uh, we hope people will stick around and just kind of know that it might take us a little while to get out um, to your car afterwards uh, over with. So don't don't plan on leaving really, really quickly because hopefully we'll have a lot of people and might take a little while to get out of there. That's fantastic. Well, you have some news about your music director that came in and uh, tell us a little bit about that. That's kind of exciting. Yeah, well, she's kind of been sitting on this for a little while until everything was, you know, all the T's were crossed and the I's were dotted. But she's been appointed the new director of orchestras at the University of Illinois, Champaign-Urbana, which is considered one of the top programs in the country, actually. Um, and, um, and she's really, really excited about it. And on top of that, they gave her automatic tenure, which is almost oh unheard gosh, yes. of. Um, you guys know that. I mean, in the, in, in the college world. Um, so she starts in August. And what I'm excited about is that she's going to be closer to us. So you know, it's only going to be about a three-hour drive uh, for her to come to Laporte. In the past, even though she was Kansas City, or Lawrence, actually, at the University of Kansas, she would have to fly to Dallas to get to South Bend. And it was almost like an all-day trip for her to do this. So by the time she got to Tuesday evening rehearsal, she was almost wiped out. Um, of course, she always takes things in stride, and she never complains. You know, that's, that's the way Carolyn is. But she's really excited to be closer. 
uh, to us. And she's going to be having, it's a much larger program. She has three graduate assistants and this huge doctoral program that she's going to be over. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful educational professional move up for her. Very good. Hey, we've got a minute left. You also have, uh, and we'll be coming back to visit this, the Hoosier Star. Tell us a little bit about uh, yeah. that, and then we'll recap uh, what's yeah. coming on 4th of July. Uh, ticket availability. Well, yes. Well, as I said, 4th of July will be free, and we'll have our winners from last year singing. But uh, Hoosier Star this year is going to be Saturday, September the 17th. Tickets will go on sale July 1 on our website, lcso.net, and they're $15 for adults in the balcony, $5 for children 12 and under. And again, our music director, Carolyn Watson, this will be her first um, Hoosier Star. Uh, and we have a wonderful set of programs, but we're going to do something a little different this year. The adults are going to go first and the youth are going to go last this time uh, because we think that's going to be actually a better buildup. That sounds great. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on Art in the Air Spotlight. Tim King, uh, the executive director for that wonderful organization. And remember, July 4, 730, Fox Memorial Park at the Amphitheater, and you can hear a wonderful concert. Get Tim, thanks so much for coming on. Thank Fox. you, thank you so much. Thank you. You're listening to Art on the Air, WVLP 103.1 FM, and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. happy to welcome back to Art on the Air, David Kowal. Once was not enough as everyone wanted to hear the rest of David's varied experience as a musician, composer, recording engineer, producer, and music publisher. 
This first segment was on June 12th, 2022. Give it a listen. His life has evolved and revolved around music. Fortunate that his passion is also his career. Currently, David is busy writing music for a variety of television production companies and just released a new album, A Different Blue. David, thank you for indulging our curiosity and joining Larry and I on Art on the Air. Aloha again. Aloha again. It's great to be back. I appreciate it. Well, David, we kind of left you, so we don't have to talk about like what you usually do, how you got from where you were to where you are now. We just wanted to continue your story, and I guess we last left you in London. And uh, so tell us about how we progressed there. And we also want to share some music with our audience as we move along here, and we'll set that up. But uh, tell us about how, where we left off in our last interview. One of the big influences I talked about the last time was my high school band director, James Lagoon, who, by the way, just Facebook friended me. I haven't talked to him in a long time, so I can't wait to sort of fill him in on what I've been up to. Um, he had brought Mater Ferguson, Stan Kenton, Woody Herman to our high school for clinics for us young musicians to really see how it's really done. And the upshot of that was we ended up in the Anglo, Anglo International Festival of Music and uh, participated in this contest for high school jazz bands in Europe. And one of the stops along the way, uh, after we landed in Amsterdam, we drove on a bus from Amsterdam, broke down at, 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 the, at the border in France, had to wait two hours on the side of the road for another bus to come by, <laughs> ended up in Paris where uh, we performed for lunch on the Eiffel Tower. So, you know, here we are, these high school kids playing on the second level in the restaurant on the Eiffel Tower. And I've got some great pictures of, of, of Paris in the background and us high school kids doing the best we can with the jazz tunes that we were playing. So that was just a really great experience. And I think it's one of the things, one of the sort of signposts along the way that kept pushing me in that direction of saying, you know, music really is going to be your life, isn't it? I mean, you know, you're 17 or 18 years old and having an experience like that, it does, it does kind of stick with you. And I'm just very, very lucky and blessed that, you know, my parents supported me the way they did and I continued the journey. Uh, so, you know, I think after that, it was Boston, uh, my studio in Boston, and and uh, lots of clients there working for everybody. Uh, had some really interesting experiences in Boston. Um, had outside producers come in and use the studio a lot. Uh, one of the one of the most amazing people I met was Jimmy Miller, who had produced um, Traffic, and he produced. Uh, a lot of the stone stuff. He's the guy that played drums on You Can't Always Get What You Want. He's like one of my heroes. I walked in one day and he's standing at the coffee machine. He's like, I, I can't, I can't, I can't figure this out. I'll make you some coffee. So I'm making coffee for Jimmy Miller and we're talking about music. And it's like, life doesn't really get much better than that. <laughs> so that was just a really, you know, one of those like little things that happened along the way in Boston. And um, had some other great experiences too. Uh, one of my, one of my passions is, uh, uh, car racing. I haven't missed an Indy 500 uh, since 1966. And it, it, it's Oh, I love it too. <laughs> I just, I think it's the one of the most amazing things in the world. And we get so much technology for our consumer cars from, from those folks, you know. So many safety things came out of the development of those cars. Anyway, I was working for this client in Boston, um, Bob Sheriff, and he had a uh, uh, project that he was doing for computer vision. Computer vision was a CAD cam company at the time. And Roger Penske of the Penske racing team was the first racing team to use CAD cam technology to design a race car. So the upshot was he shot a lot of, of, of Penske racing at, at the Indy 500 track 
which turned into a documentary on the Penske racing family. So I got to score the music uh, to this wonderful like documentary on Penske that's still running at, at Indy in the, uh, in the gallery there, which, you know, was just to me is like Paul Page, the narrator for, for the Indy 500 came into the studio. Rick Mears, a four time Indy winter winner came in and, and uh, interviewed him. And it was just a great, great, a great experience. So, you know, those are two sort of examples of just uh, like the, the really wonderful things that have happened along the way by choosing to follow that, that career in music. Um, Boston at the time was just a very thriving time in the 80s. But at the end of the 80s, uh, things got economically very bad. There was a lot of there was a big business downturn. The stock market crashed at the end of the 80s. And a lot of my clients just stopped doing business. They they laid off a lot of people. And it it was time it was time to sort of fold that business and move on. So uh, my my uh, business manager at the time, who would soon become my uh, my wife, and I decided, <laughs> you know what, Wait, maybe we should just like try something completely new. Let's go to London. So that's what we did. We uh, got married in October and went to London in December and uh, never looked back. Uh, we were really never going to look back. We applied for a visa, a work visa, to be an artist uh, uh, worker in London. Um, you can get a four-year artist visa if you're a writer, a composer, um, or an artist. And uh, had the interview, went there, bought our one-way tickets, landed, got through customs, the whole bit, and went to the home office and said, well, I'm here. I applied for this, this visa. And this wonderful English gentleman, this British guy, just looked at me and goes, that's real nice, but that's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know, you know? Oh, yeah. So we're going to give you a six-month visa, and you can't work. So hopefully you have enough money to survive on. So that led, of course, to the discussion of, well, okay, well, we're here. <laughs> we we kind of have paid rent for two months in a place ahead of time, sight unseen. We need to figure this out. So we both got jobs working under the table. Uh, I worked in a recording studio uh, where I met a guy named Mattia Clifford. Um, and we we became lifelong friends, like in a heartbeat. He was a hip-hop uh, artist at the time, working in London, hip-hop underground in the uh, late 80s. And we used to do all-night sessions in the studio in central London. And, you know, it was amazing because without these guys, they pay me in cash every day. And everybody else that was working there was an expat from somewhere. I was working with a guy from Sweden, a guy from Germany, and a guy from Italy. <laughs> and the two owners were from Britain. So it was just one of those, you know, things that you do that you say, fine, let's do it. And Barbara, she worked, uh, she worked in a restaurant. She worked as a, as a, uh, as a, she worked an Irish bar. She worked at the bar in an Irish bar for a while. And then she also worked as a, uh, like a, what do they call them? Uh, not a bar made or barista, but someone who helped the other waitress and stuff like that. Anyway, it was just, we basically just said, let's just turn this into a six month honeymoon and then see what happens. So um, out of London uh, came this desire to get back into writing songs. Because uh, in Boston, I had written music for clients. At one point, I looked at the piano which, and I, I said, you know, I have this great reconditioned Steinway and I hadn't played it at all for my own thing 
probably for about two years. I had always been working, writing music for clients and all that kind of stuff. And it was wonderful, but it wasn't feeding that part of me that was making the rest of it possible. I was kind of getting drained. So London was a great rebirth for all that. I um, started writing songs again and deciding what to do next. And as I went through that story, and 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 that uh, sort of looking back on 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 things that happened, um, I realized that that really was the beginning of of what's led to everything now. Uh, and the journey the journey then just continued. I, I we stayed in London for about six months, and then my family, my dad uh, got very ill, and uh, kind of needed to be back near home. And, and home for me was Pittsburgh, so we went from. Boston to London to Pittsburgh. So it, it, it was like, it was a bit of a culture shock because, you know, you go from a city like London to Pittsburgh, but Pittsburgh was wonderful to me. You know, I mean, I, I, I started writing music for clients there and ended up uh, writing for, let's see, I did the Pittsburgh Penguins theme song. The Pittsburgh Steelers heard that, so they, they had me do their theme song. I did work for Alcoa and Westinghouse and, and basically every, everybody that you could do it. But after about three years, what happened was, well, you did all this great stuff, but they're not going to have another theme anytime soon. Uh, it's, it's a wonderful market, but there's only three composers here. And if you really, really want to see what you're made of, you need to go one of two places, New York City or Los Angeles. So... We had lived in cold weather all our lives. We uh, had had sort of looked at L.A. Uh, peripherally. And so one day in Pittsburgh, we just decided, well, let's just go to L.A. So we planned the trip in 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 30 days, um, put everything in the uh, 1979 Chevy Caprice that I, <laughs> I, uh, I ended up getting from my dad. Um, and uh, it was the last car he bought new in 79. So we loaded that puppy, literally took the back seat out so we'd have more room for, uh, for our furniture and our two cats and uh, drove, drove cross country, you know, to uh, L.A. Yeah, no and, visas uh, needed this time. No, you know, no visas needed this time. And uh, <laughs> there's a lot of jokes about that, but no visas needed this time. And uh, uh, ended up in Los Angeles at this uh, motel uh, right in Westwood near UCLA where we met um, Henry and uh, Robert James, who were the uh, managers. Now, what's interesting about that is these guys, you know, they were, they were originally from Dublin, New Hampshire, which is, is right near where Peterborough is. And uh, they were really great to us. We rented this motel room for three weeks. I literally did two soundtracks out of the motel room and we were driving everywhere trying to find a place to live in L.A. And, and we kept coming back to, well, this is really nice. It's, this, it's kind of centrally located. We can get everywhere. It's near UCLA. Uh, Barbara was thinking of taking some courses there. And uh, I asked them, do you guys know of any place around here where we could rent an apartment? I said, sure, next door. We, rent, we, we manage these three buildings. So we literally moved across the parking lot. It was the shortest move we ever did <laughs> from, from our motel room into this great apartment where we lived for – about nine years. And then um, during that time, I started doing a lot of work for uh, some of the major folks. You know, I, I did some work for HBO. I did some work for Fox, you know, TV shows, movies, stuff like that. 
and um, just started building the career, you know. So uh, one of the things that, that I came back with was this germ of a song uh, that I had started way back in, in, in Boston in the early 80s called Where, Where Are You Now? And um, just started working on it again. And eventually, uh, I would continue working on it for many, many years because I, I, it just wasn't, it wasn't happening. I mean, songwriting is an interesting thing. You can sit down and sometimes they just pour right out and the song's complete, like in five minutes. Sometimes they take a long time. So where are you now morphed into where we are now because during my time in L.A., I hooked up with um, a group called the Berkeley uh, College of Music LA Songwriters Group. It was a uh, group of songwriters that get together once a month on the last Monday of the month to share songs, workshop songs and stuff like that. So um, I joined these guys. Bruce is the person that runs that, Bruce Garnett's, And he uh, uh, was very supportive and encouraging about, you know, folks coming in and, and playing their songs. And they give great advice and just their take on it because, you know, you get you need the objectivity, right? So uh I played this song for them, and one of the suggestions was, why don't, why you? What you're really saying is we, you know, why, where are we now? Because it's about this generation, uh, the sort of the, the 60s, 70s generation that said, we've got all the answers. You know, we want peace in the world. We don't want any more wars. We don't want any more violence. We, we want equality. We want all these wonderful things. And I was what big time part of that. And uh, as I was looking around in the 1990s and then the 2000s, and literally this this group I belonged to morphed into me moving all the way to Peterborough. And I was doing a Zoom session because they still do it via Zoom because of COVID. And it was actually over a Zoom session while I was still in Peterborough that the bridge and the idea to change that lyric finally morphed. So the long story of that is Where Are We Now uh, is now a finished song and it's part of um, a musical that I'm working on called Boomers that <laughs> talks about what, what happened. Like, where, wh what, what are we doing? Where, where, how do we get back on track? You know, how do we get the alt-right and the alt-left stop screaming and just get back to that kind of place where everybody just wants to have what they have be happy and, and not get in anybody else's face and just let people be who they are. Like, what happened to that? So that's kind of what the song's about. And uh, Maybe we should listen to that. Let's take a listen right now. I'm sitting here playing my piano Waiting for a moment to call my own I'm sitting here thinking about you and me And promises that we gonna change the world we were gonna make it right what stuck promises aquarium delight 
started off on a trip to the moon. Nixon won the votes, but Hendrix ruled our hearts. Does it seem so long ago? We were gonna change the world. We were gonna make it right. Woodstock promises Aquarium delight Where are we now? The people that said We're gonna change the world Where are we now? Did we give up? I think that's what I heard David Kowal, a uh, beautiful song and uh, going to be in the musical Boomer someday, I guess. Yeah. We hope, we hope. Yeah, actually, I've been talking to uh, someone you know, Ms. Michelle, about like working on that. So she's excited. We might, we might take on that as a, as a, as a project together. A co-project. Um, I want to mention that Greg Whipple is singing that. Uh, Greg Whipple is a uh, studio session singer that I met in L.A. and he's just got this amazing angelic voice. So I hope you enjoyed that too. But I just want to give a shout out to Greg on that. You're listening to Art on the Air with our guest David Kowal on WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM. You do a lot of promo stuff that we talked about, and one of them, uh, you gave us just a short sample of Running in the Woods. Tell us a little bit about that and how that uh, came together. Running in the Woods woods came about, um, it's one of the more current things I've done. Um, I was, was right before COVID, and I had just um, you demo when you're a, when you're a composer uh, in 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 that in that world you're constantly sending stuff out and demoing and you're constantly listening to what's on the air and of course as you know in the last really in the last ten years but 
really, really in the last five years, the industry has exploded in terms of content. You know, there, if you want to watch a movie on Netflix in any genre, you can find that genre and find 80 of those movies. It's just incredible. Well, all those movies need music. So there's such a wonderful opportunity for composers to, you know, get their music out there. Um, that's a double-edged sword, of course, because because there's so much content, there are a lot more composers <laughs> vying for that placements and trying to get their stuff in the show. So you have to really listen all the time and try to stay current. So Running in the Woods came about, I was listening to, uh, I think it was, uh, I was watching, you know, Chicago PD, Law and Order, you know, a lot of those sort of like mainstream shows, just really honing in on what they were doing with the music and realized that there are so many cues in these shows, uh, sometimes 100, 150 pieces of music, and a lot of them are only 18 seconds, 25, 40 seconds long. So I'm thinking to myself, well, so if you're doing a weekly show and you've got maybe a team or just two or three composers or just one person, that's a lot of content to produce every week. So I challenged myself to say, well, let's do, let me do 25 finished cues in an, in, in, in an hour and a half or two hours and see if I can do it. Because I was doing the math on it. It's like if you have a your basic 60 or 80 hour week, uh, you've got to be able to do that much stuff and deliver it on time and, and sounding the way it's supposed to sound, right? So Reading in the Woods came about as as as, as that. So basically it's it's available now for you know for licensing and I'm you know pitching it to many different shows and it's just another one of those songs along the way. It's an instrumental and uh, it's kind of scary. It's 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 designed to sort of be like attention release kind of thing and uh, give it a listen. Let's see what you think. And here it is, Running in the Woods. was Running in the Woods, available for licensing for any video, television, and such. You can get that from David Kowal. Yeah, it was exciting. It was kind of like I felt like I was in Hunger Games in the woods or something at first, and then um, then it changed a bit. It was really exciting. Appreciate that. Yeah, I had someone, um, I, I was. I pitched it to a, uh, a group I belong to called The Sync Report. Uh, it's a Sunday afternoon uh, podcast on Clubhouse. And the first thing that one, one, of, the, one of the guys said, that's you, know, you must have a classical background. You sa- it sounds like like the mad professor at work or something like that. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, I, I have a classical background, but you know this this was this was like out of a place that was like, how scary can I make it? So yeah, it was, well, <laughs> definitely right from the start you get that like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, what's going to happen? You know, mm-hmm. how difficult right. is that? And you talked talked a little bit about that, and you know, I, you're watching television shows. They a lot of times just re- they have the whole music, but then actually music editing putting in the same things every week you know they they don't compose necessarily new things for it but they take themes that they have and put them in at different points and yeah um, you know there's there's so many ways uh that this production gets done um you can 
I know one one of my uh, uh, musicians that I use is a percussionist, Scott Scott Bredman, plays percussion on all my stuff. He's he's an amazing player. He plays on a lot of television shows, and one of the composers he works with, they go in three or four days. They'll do three or four days of recording for the season, and then they they give all those tracks, everything they record to the music editors, who then take all those tracks and piece it together any way they want to make work in the show. So there's that's like a hybrid of like creation and then music. You know, there's there's composers and creators. There's also songwriters that get their stuff licensed. And out of both of those groups, that gets fed to a music supervisor who then feeds that to the production team on the show, which include music editors and music mixers. So there's a wonderful flow of that creativity. So you're, you know, by the time it actually gets on the air, there's enough really smart people that have heard it that pretty much what you hear and see is there for a reason because everybody agreed that works. And if you have that many different people saying yes, you're probably going to get a yes from the public when they hear it, which is why some, which is why you hear this stuff. You know, most, most people don't listen to it, watch a TV show and go, you know, I really didn't like that music. I mean, you know, most yeah. of the time, if you did your job right instrumentally in either a TV show or a movie, you don't even notice the music. Right. You're not supposed to. You know, it's supposed to support the dialogue and just like the sound effects. You know, if you walk away from a movie saying those sound effects are great, I don't think the writer's going to be happy. No. You know? I mean, you know, so, or the actors, you know, it's like, wow, did you see the way Bruce Willis like cringe when that explosion went off? You know, it was a great explosion. It's like, they, you don't hear that. You no. know, so, and it's the same, same thing as now there are obviously exceptions. I mean, you can't, you can't look at anything that John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith or James Newton Howard or James Horner, a lot of, a lot of the, the Alan Silvestri, you know, uh, Mark Isham, you know, these, these amazing composers where they're so singular in their, uh, Rachel Portman, you know, there's a lot of, they, they have a sound, they have their, 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 you know, and you hear it. And so you walk away from the movie saying, well, I really love that theme. But at the same time, when you think about that music, you see the movie. And that's that's just very something very special. Like you can't hear, you know, da -da -da, you know, the, the Jaws thing, you know, and and not think not think Jaws. You, you hear the music, you, you're automatically in the water with the shark, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I mean, that's just you know. Well, so then on the flip side of that, so that's you're talking about music within something, but what about like the theme music um, that you want to be memorable? Yes, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and sometimes those are two different people. Uh, very rarely does the person who writes the music, like for the theme, end up really doing all the music for the show, for the underscore. The, mo mostly because if you've got over 100, 150 cues, not one person can't do that. You know, it, it, you, you've got a team of writers. You know, the best example of that is Hans Zimmer. You know, he's got a, um, a team of writers that work with him on everything. And there's like five or six guys working there that, 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 that help. I mean, he writes the stuff, but then other people... You know, it's the same thing if you think about a um, an orchestrator in the old classic way of doing a film score. Let's say John Williams or Jerry Goldsmith would write a score. They do a lot of their, nor or their own orchestrations. But at the same time, um, there's a whole lot of people that, that, that don't do that. They write beautiful music, but they have orchestrators, you know, like Danny Elfman. You know, he doesn't orchestrate a lot of his stuff. He had orchestrators work for him. James Horner had an orchestrator. Um and so 
you know, you, you get that, that help from someone else, that, that skill set that you just don't have time for. You're writing the really important stuff, so you do have to have that team that's going to like sort of, you know, write that. And then so a lot of times too, folks don't always conduct their own scores. You know, they want to mm-hmm. be in the control room. So there's a conductor that gets involved, and that completely changes how how the thing's going to sound because the conductor is 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 the person bringing that music alive in in a symphonic situation, you know, in a classic scoring situation. Most of the time these days. We're all that. The composer's all that. Right. You know, like you mentioned, you know, uh, Larry, you mentioned like, you know, like, like, how do you come up with all the ideas? How do you produce it? It's like, well, I might have in my sample library probably three or four different symphony orchestras that I can draw on. I've got 50,000 sounds of every kind of weird hip hop rock thing. I've got guitars behind me that I'll play my own stuff, put it through something, make it sound different. And so it just becomes one person doing all this, which, you know, is a lot of fun. But at the same time, uh, it, unless you're really, really, really um, being objective about what you're doing, you can lose sight of it and then just go off the rails quickly. So, you know, that's where all those other folks come in handy. You know, it's like you might send something to, you know, your uh, music editor and the music editor is going to say, you know, it's close. But, you know, I'm looking at the I'm looking at this at the video of what the scene is and, you know, let me send you that and, and maybe you could like do something different at measure 22 or whatever. And so those, you know, it's, it's just like um, a screenwriter getting notes on a screenplay sure. or an actor, you know, getting notes after they've just done a performance. Like the director is always going to say, well, you know, that was great, but <laughs> so it's the same thing. It's just kind of in a weird, different way. You know? And so how did you work with pentatonics then? I didn't, I didn't work with pentatonics. I, um, um, I was basically uh, waxing poetic about my teaching days uh, ah. in Los Angeles. And one of my former students, Ben Bram, went on to be the producer of Pentatonix. And I was talking about how proud I was of that. You know? oh. another, yeah, another student went on to do, he was Andrew Resnick. He's the uh, music director for King and I and The Share Show on Broadway uh, before COVID hit. So, so how, when you um, collaborated with um, Michelle on Season of Light, which we're going to take a listen to. Um, how did how does that collaboration work? Well, that's that's actually um, a result of me going to a, an online uh, music conference and going to back to this idea of you know is if music's your career, then do it. So there was this opportunity to go to a live Zoom open mic. So I went to this live Zoom open mic. And uh, everybody got to play a song. So I played a song. And up in the chat is this person I never met before, Michelle Schaefer, saying, I love that song. Um, you know, uh, love your voice. Let's let's talk. And I said, sure, let's talk. You know, what do you want to talk about? She goes, well, let's let's talk about writing. I'd love to maybe write with you. So that's how it happened. I met her. You know, we've yet to meet in person. You know, uh, we've had, you know, so we got together and said, well, let's let's. When I get together to write a song, when I write a song, I kind of like to have a, a, a reason to do it. You know, it's like, what, why are we writing this song? So we knew that we had an opportunity with enough lead time to write some holiday songs for either shows that are being produced, movies that might be being produced, Hallmark stuff that's being produced right now. They're going to be looking for music between now and, and, and the end of July. So we figured we would have enough time to write a song. So 
we talked about what we want to write about. We wrote all the lyrics. She went away and wrote lyrics. I went away and wrote lyrics. We came back. We combined them. We realized we had two songs because <laughs> both of them were just a little bit along the same themes, but just a little different. So we've created two Christmas songs. This is the first one that we've produced, um, and it's called Season of Light. And I just, she did a great, awesome job on the vocals, and I just think that um, uh, when I heard what she was doing vocally, I said, you know, I kind of want to just produce this as like a old school, almost like a Nelson Riddle under Frank Sinatra kind of orchestral arrangement under your voice and uh i kind of went all the way you know pulled out all the stops on it in terms of that kind of arrangement and she's in love with it i think it's a fantastic song and i think it's the next great christmas song ever written so you're here well let's take a listen to it david kowal's season of light with michelle schaefer traditions may vary in our hearts we all carry a treasure trove of joy joy and laughter in this season of light there'll be magic all night our hearts will take flight because love fills this season of light baby swallowed in the manger Protected from the cold Do we need the wise man To tell us what we know Faith and hope and love Is what we need to circle round the globe on this Christmas night in the season of light There'll be magic all night 
Season of Light, the new Christmas song that will be part of your life, I hope, in the future. Michelle Schaefer on the vocal there with David Kowal's music. Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I want to make, make clear to everybody listening, Michelle and I were, were the co-authors. We both wrote that, too. So she's not only uh, the singer, but she's also one of the writers. You know, So I'd like to keep that because I think she's got you know she's got a lot of a lot of stuff going on and we're having a great time writing you know so and we featured Michelle in the show and had her actually when we did it in the studio so uh, we're well aware of Michelle and everything you're listening to Art on the Air with our guest David Kowal on WVLP 103.1 FM and on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM well we're getting close to the end here and we have one more song I want you to set that up for us before we have to depart and man this even this segment having a second segment is going real fast here Dave <laughs> well I appreciate that yeah, so you here know, we are back in London again is this where you yeah we're back in London and it's going to be London London to Peterborough is the way this is going to go it's going to be <laughs> so basically um, uh, Mattia who I met uh, within a couple weeks of being in London um Oh, just a real quick point. When you move to England, don't move in December because nothing <laughs> happens until the end of January. <laughs> so anyway, so um, I met I met Mattia and uh, we just became lifelong friends. You know, we, we stayed friends. We stayed in touch all this time. So uh, I reached out to him um, two years ago, two or three years ago when I was working in this. I was still in L.A. at the time. But um, I said, I've got this song. It's got this weird kind of quirky thing, but I really think it needs lyrics. It needs it needs your voice and your you know it's it's basically about summertime. So, it's 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 originally written as an instrumental, but I really 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 want to include include you in this. And so, the, the genesis of the song was it's just a song about enjoying summer. You know, it's like walking in the park, going to the beach, having fun with friends. You know, just just hanging out. And the plan was to release it in. Um, 2020 but then COVID hit so there was nothing I could do with the song until now you know because we had to wait two years to do anything with it because no one was going out and walking in the park and <laughs> doing <any of> that <laughs> stuff you know it was like oh man, we gotta be, have a mask on and stay home so that's thankfully is 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 ending slowly and I think this summer is going to be a great summer so I figured well why not close out the show or at least feature this as the last song as as just something fun that everybody can just smile about and I hope Mattia makes you smile so he's my brother and a shout out to him, Mattia, when you hear this, I hope you enjoy it. This song is Badadu. Badadu, and we'd like to thank you for being on Art in the Air. And we're going to listen to that as our playout song, David Colwall. You can find him at David Colwall Music, and we have a link on our website. They'll take you right to it. Thank you so much for being on Art in the Air, and we're going to listen to Badadu here. Thank, thank you, you, David. Thank you both very much. I look forward to uh, seeing you guys again. Ready for summer 
Such a beautiful summer. Long walks in the evenings. Loving and joyous.
like to thank our guests this week on Art on the Air, our weekly program covering the arts and arts events throughout Northwest Indiana and beyond. Art on the Air is heard Friday at 11 a.m. and Monday at 5 p.m. on WVLP 103.1 FM, streaming live at wvlp.org, and every Sunday at 7 p.m. on Lakeshore Public Radio 89.1 FM, also streaming live at lakeshorepublicradio.org, and is available on Lakeshore Public Radio's website as a podcast. Our spotlight interviews are also heard every Wednesday on Lakeshore Public Radio. Thanks to Tom Maloney, Vice President of Radio Operations for Lakeshore Public Radio, and Greg Kovach, WVLP's Station Manager. Our theme music is by Billy Foster with a vocal by Renee Foster. Art in the Air is supported by an Indiana Arts Commission Arts Project Grant through South Shore Arts and the National Endowment for the Arts. We would like to thank our current supporters and underwriters, which include regional art patron Mary LeVan and Walt Bradiger of Paragon Investments. So we may continue to bring you Art on the Air. We rely on you, our listeners and underwriters, for ongoing financial support. If you're looking to support Art on the Air, we have information on our website at breck.com AOTA, where you can find out how to become a supporter or underwriter of our program in whatever amount you are able. And like I say every week, don't give till it hurts. Give till it feels good, and you'll feel so good about supporting Art on the Air. If you're interested in being a guest or sending us information about your arts, arts-related event, or exhibit, please email us at aota at breck.com. That's aota at breck, B-R-E-C-H dot com. Or contact us through our Facebook page. Your hosts were Larry Breckner and Esther Golden, and we invite you back next week for another episode of Art on the Air. Aloha, everyone. Have a splendid week. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. Express yourself through art and show the world your heart. You're in the know with Esther and Larry. Art on the air today. Stay in the know with Larry and Esther. Art on the air our way. Express yourself through art. And show the world your heart, express yourself through art, and show the